And his girlfriend like looks at me because she's there too. She's like, man, stop, man. I'm just worried about surviving at this point. I know there's a beast and there's a monster that eating for that hardcore drug. This is the my name is Dylan and I am a drug addict. I'm Donnie, crackhead from Backwoods, Ohio. I'm Goomer, recovering addict. And I'm Jordan, a severe alcoholic from the streets of Seattle. Welcome back, what is up, to another episode of Not So Anonymous. Tonight, um, we're, uh, what, Donnie? Tonight? Or today? today. <laughs> it's 1 p.m. Is it 1 p.m.? Is it? Yeah. It is 1 p.m. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got shit from Goomer last time I mentioned the time that we were recording, so I, my bad. Whatever, dude. So you lie about this time? <laughs> Uh, my bad uh, character defect my bad. i panicked dude. <laughs> wow. oh all right abort abort yeah that's uh hopefully what we're not gonna do as we tackle a difficult topic today it's something that i know that we've been talking about discussing for a while now and it's I, I, I know I've struggled with it. You know, I think the trauma aspect and this all got started too, man, because I just got done doing a podcast and Bree listened to the podcast and she made a couple of comments. And after reflecting on her comments, I didn't feel necessarily disingenuous, but the fact that I was really holding back on a lot of stuff was just so prevalent and in my face. You know, and I think the trauma is a really difficult one because one, I tend to minimize my own trauma. I don't validate my experience in that way. I say what I went through wasn't that bad. And a lot of that I think is trained, right? Because I also think it's very easy for the people that cause the trauma to minimize the trauma, right? It, you, you fucking liar. Oh, you're fabricating. Oh, it didn't go down that way. Oh, it made you stronger though, didn't it? That's called gaslighting. <laughs> and it's yeah. not healthy. No, not at all. No. <laughs> right. But it happens all too often, dude. Like all the time. I agree. I agree. I think validating some. I don't. So Bree was basically saying, you know, Dylan, the episode was good, but I know damn sure because I was on the, the, uh, the podcast with Brandon Lee and he's really big on trauma. He's really big on trauma, right? And I think there's a couple of theories, you know, schools of thought, right? Like we're born with a gene genetically disposed, uh, predisposed to the gene of addiction. And I, I get that. And then there's the other school of thought, which I, I don't, I think there's room for both, but that trauma can cause an addiction, right? Traumas can bring out an addiction or an unhealthy lifestyle. And I know uh, he's real big on trauma and he asked me about some trauma and I kind of, I, I gave an answer. But afterwards, like I said, Bree said, Dylan, I know for damn sure that you are not telling your whole story because I was there for a lot of it. You're not being 100 percent honest or you're downplaying what you went through. I don't think you're not being 100 percent honest. Maybe you're like not as vulnerable as she has such insight and lived most of that experience with you. So, right. I, I think and I've always told you that because I believe in like because we had like really like. I guess raw and honest and open conversations. With, yeah. Like, and I've constantly like totally like push you. Like, dude, you have a lot of things to say. You've been through a lot. That hopefully being vulnerable and you know carrying the way we carry our message through our podcast could help out a lot of people. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think the difficulty comes when a lot of that trauma and talking about it is involved with people that I still hope to have a relationship with. with That's a one tough day. one, man. It is right. I mean, it's super hard. I don't know the answer to that. Neither do I. Because I'm trying to protect people that I love, but at the same time, am I doing any justice to the kid who's listening to this right now? Mm-hmm. Am I doing any justice to the mom who needs to hear this right now? The dad who needs to hear this right now? The kid going through withdrawals, right? Like the kid in rehab, like, am I doing any justice to them? Because I'm, we've all made it very clear, not so anonymous, right? We're going to put our shit out there. We're going to recover out loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, that fucking name got a little scary. Right? <laughs> That's because we were all recovering. We're, like, we're, we're all recovering. We're like, oh, back <laughs> save the back world. Metal, back <laughs> pink Jordan, the why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't supposed to be on here. <laughs> Oh, it's so. <laughs> you should never drop their names, put their faces out there, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I do. I want to get into some stories, man. I want to get into some trauma, how that affects us, how that leads to behaviors, you know, defense mechanisms, survival techniques, all that stuff, man. And one of the things that Bree brought up. So part of my story towards the end there, I thought the only way out of my addiction was through suicide. I thought that was just the only shot I had. And I thought that it would hurt the people that I loved initially, but eventually they would see that I was better out of their lives. I thought that. What I didn't realize and what I had blocked out for so long, and it wasn't until I went through my four step that I realized how much this individual even affected me. When I was four years old, I was introduced to what suicide looked like. Right. I was introduced to what it looked like for another man to attempt to take his own life. And I was there and I had an uncle and he looks at me and I just remember him saying, "Okay, I'm going to kill myself now. And I remember feeling so confused, like I don't know how to process that. I'm four years old. You're supposed to keep me safe. Right. I, I don't know how to process this. He proceeded to swallow a bottle of pills. The next thing I remember is him slumping over, falling over and cracking his head on the corner of a drawer. I freaked the fuck out. You're four? I was four years old. That's crazy that you remember it so vividly. Dude, I have have gnarly vivid memories from early, early childhood. And certain stuff was blocked out. That was blocked out for a while. Um, Again, it was... And I would have, ne- if you would have asked me pre four step, I would have never really mentioned this individual too much, right? I'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he was an uncle, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, he had his own problems, yeah, you know. But when I did that four step and I dove into like how they affected me, I realized how much this individual actually affected me. And that event right there at four years old to be introduced to suicide like that, he did, it didn't, it was an unsuccessful attempt at suicide, but I still seen another man attempt it. Did you know what was going on at the moment? No, nah, man. I had no idea how to process that. All I know is that everything inside of me said, this is not okay. Shit. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if I shut down or I went into survival mode. I'm not an expert on trauma. I haven't dug too deep into it. I haven't dug into the fucking different parts of the brain that carry it or anything like that. All I know is I freaked out and I went and grabbed someone. And I said, hey, he just hit his head, you know, and, and, I was, and it flipped me out, man. That was my introduction to suicide. I didn't realize 
the impact that that had on my life. I didn't understand the impact that this person had on my life. And I think for so many of us, it's easy to minimize things that we went through. And it takes a while. I was telling you guys earlier, I'm barely remembering so much. I forgot that I completely went through this program when I was 15 years old. Went through the probation, drug court uh, meetings, all that stuff. We just talked about that on one of the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. I forgot about so much. I'm coming up on two years in recovery now, and I'm starting to remember these things. And it's a little difficult to deal with. At times, at least. I don't really know where to go from there, but that's one of the things that stood out in that conversation. When, 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 when you were doing your four step, it just came out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean a lot. It did. It did. Cause I really dove in. So each person, especially close to me at one point or another, I made sure I did like a, a real deep dive into like my relationships with this person. And it even broke down to the point where he, this person like confused me sexually even because this person was gay. And I remember thinking like, what is that? What, what is, what is gay? You know, like I didn't understand like why he was telling me certain things. So I'm like, now I'm like really fucking confused. Right. I'm like, what? And I remember even one of the times my cousins would say, well, yeah, he's gay. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand that because I couldn't comprehend that. Right. I was naturally attracted to women. From the time I had a crush from the time I before kindergarten, I see my mom, my dad, right? So like I don't understand these things. So even something as small as that, like this person telling me stuff at such a young age, I can't comprehend properly. That causes confusion. I see you swallow a bottle of pills. That causes confusion. I see you attempt to take your life. You tell me you're going to take your life. That causes confusion. Years down the road, I remember this dude swooping up a pill and like eating it, just eating it. That caused confusion. Like, what the fuck, bro? So that's just such a small piece of what one person, the impact that they had on my life. And it's just because I decided to dive into it, you know, but I'm able to recognize a lot of these things now and attempt to work through them in a healthy manner. How did that affect you? I guess like you say, when you made a, a decision to dig into it once like how did that affect you like i think i did you find out about it it's hard to say what i found out man it's like i think it just made a lot of sense like things started making sense like i because it's like we talk about trained right mm -hmm. a lot of my stuff i started becoming a product of my environment i really did i love to gamble you know i i didn't really see what a healthy relationship looked like. So, and I, and this is the other part. It's hard because I don't want to sit here and blame all of my shit on people. That's right? not what we're doing. Right. That, that's okay. the scary part because that is our scary. listeners and, and I think some that's people where minimizing that comes in, are right? close to us or family members or people, relatives or close friends are going to like, that are not in the program or just genuinely like, like our show. It's like, that's, that's the fear part that comes into me. It's like, well, I'm going to get judged or they're going to, take it so personal and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Cause I, I would, I would love to like show the shit, but then like, fuck, how are they going to take it? Right. So then I hold back and then eventually it's like, well, this is going to out on the internet. It's out for fucking for the rest of 
for, forever. Like yeah. my, my, my kids, pay my, that bus sprout bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my kids are eventually gonna grow up and be like, hmm, what was my dad doing around this time? Play. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, <laughs> for sure, dude. Like it's it's a big it's a big fear, man. To open up, it's hard. It's hard. To it is shit out there. It is, but I think it builds that connection. It allows for future connection, and I think it allows for future help to be able to connect with important people say, Hey, this is what I went through too. You know, I understand what it's like to watch somebody that I love so much on the couch and I'm checking their pulse because I, I don't know if they OD'd right now. They look fucked up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's breathing or not. I love this person. So to someone out there who's not even an addict, right? We have a lot of just family members of addicts who listen to this show. Like that's traumatic in itself for me when I had to go and check somebody's pulse because I'm like, Holy fuck, dude. Like, is he alive right now? Watching somebody go on a drug-fueled fucking rage. Smash the fucking house, right? Tear apart doors. Like, that shit freaked me the fuck out. I didn't want to show it, right? Because the mask of masculinity. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to show it, but that stuff freaks me out. Like, to watch it go down, I just knew it was fucked up. And I ended up reenacting those same things, man. And I think if anything, man, maybe this can be the start of me recognizing those things and continuing on the progress that I believe that my parents made to me and then that I want to make to my daughter, continuing on that breaking chains type direction. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I like and I think just on on that topic of like uh, being afraid to talk about it or not wanting to put the blame on other people, it's it's not necessarily that that we're doing that, but also at the same time. And that's the funny thing about trauma, right? Because we we feel that way and we want to protect certain things and certain people, but it's like, these are the things that led us to our addiction that led us down a path to almost wanting to kill yourself, right? These things brought you there. And, and still like, even though now that we're healing from them and doing different things like that, it's like, Oh, I still want to protect this person because they might get their feelings hurt. Yeah. Well, you almost killed yourself, you know, because of certain things that have happened, you know, in the past. And I know, and like, I'm saying all this full well knowing easier said than done, right? It's easier to just to say that. But when we try to like take look and see things in that perspective and, and realize that it's healthier to, you know, to, to work them out because look where it leads. We know where it leads when we bury it deep down inside and we, and we try to deal with it on our own, right? We've all been there. We've all gone to like the lowest bottom um, trying to survive these traumas without healing from them. Right. Um, and so, yeah, like, but, but like I said, he's, you know, easier said than done. I'm, I'm not, gonna, I, I don't, I don't want to sit out here and just like blast people or whatever right. and try to blame people <laughs> or do anything like that. But I think it just as a healthy, like trying to open up and, and it, you know, a first attempt for all of us I, to right. try to do this, right? Yeah. This is the first attempt. Because I, I like, so that's where the program, you know, and, and sponsorship comes in. It's like, I, you know, we don't have to share, we don't have to open up and share about this shit on, on the mic, but we, for, well, for me, uh, I could speak for myself is that, that negative uh, uh, mindset of, Oh, I don't want to hurt this person's feelings. And I don't want to make this person feel a certain way by sharing my traumas and what is almost basically led me into that, addiction where the end the only way out that i seen was suicide 
I switch it to, okay, if I share this openly, honestly, vulnerable out to the, the world, how, how many people am I going to help with just my story? Because I've witnessed it and heard other podcasts and talked about it. And, and a lot of times, like you talked about that, that first introduction to, to suicide and, and then coming back to the end of your story and you seen that was the only way out because that's what you've seen. And that was like how you were programmed as a kid. And I, I truly believe in early childhood programming from like one to seven and even a little bit later than that, because I can reflect back to a lot of, uh, you know, things I, and, and this isn't, so a lot of my family listens to this and this right. is not to make anyone feel a certain way. Like I, I am extremely grateful for the childhood that I have and right. had and all the experiences I had because it led me to exactly where I'm at today. And like, and I'm at peace with everything. Right. And, I, and I love everyone. Like that's the thing about me going through my four step and journaling about all these different traumas and bringing it to the surface and re reliving it, remembering it and then talking about it. You know, I could go talk to my sponsor about all this stuff and, but I choose to open up on the mic and, and spread it with everyone else so that other people know they're not alone, that they can either bring that shit up, relive it and, and go, you know, go process it. Cause yeah. that's how we do. We, we must have to address it first and become aware of that, whatever that is, that's deep down in, yeah. you know, and I have so many fucking examples, you know, like one after another of childhood trauma. Like I can think back to four or five, you know, I'm, and this, this is, this is the, the problem with, uh, not the problem, but our minds and how vivid our, our memories are as addicts and alcoholics. It's been like said that some, our, our memories are so vivid and our imagination is so creative. And I've talked about this on another episode is why we suffer so much mentally. And so I think back to when I'm like four or five, you know, and, and this memory is so vivid in my mind because it was like chaos in the relationship i was never around healthy relationships my right. whole childhood right and and you know my parents are screaming fighting and the next thing i know and and what you know physical mentally emotionally abusive whatever's happening right next thing i know is the cops are there and and i'm watching my dad get handcuffed and put into a cop car and i'm standing at my picture window at my front and i see these two police officers taking him away into a car and i'm like how old were you at this point like four or five you know and i'm like what the fuck is going and i could you know they, they say like the you know it's called a window pane well when you watch someone leave or taken away through the window like that shit is painful and that that memory stuck sticks with me still to this day for some reason and i'm like and I was confused, right? A lot of confusion. And it was like, why, you know? So I think a lot of times we, f we crave to feel safe as children, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're around adults, we want to feel safe. My guess is in that moment when you're watching this man who, regardless of what he may or may not have been, is probably Superman in your more eyes. Than, more than, right? yeah, the big, that, and that's, that was another. You um, probably don't feel yeah. very safe at that moment because why are they taking my dad? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. But that that's where like some of, like you said, re remembering that stuff. And I, and I don't remember that one. And then, and then another a couple other traumas that, that I uh, realized in my addiction that also made me think that suicide was the only way out, you know, is being at my friend's funerals, right. And seeing my friend that I shared all these memories with these fun times with growing up together for years in a casket dead no longer i cannot communicate with this person ever again they're completely gone you know 
and that right there is trauma for me. But that almost now that I re, that I look at it, you know, in my sobriety, I have a clear mind and I've continued to pull to dig these things out that I have packed so deep down in my you know mind, in my subconscious mind, because I don't want to let them surface. Right. But I've, I realized that that was where I came to at the end of my addiction was that was my only way out of this this thing that I couldn't handle anymore that obsession that fucking craving is like well I could just do what they did fuck they're at peace now they don't have to fight this addiction ever again right yeah so that's where I'm at I'm like I'm gonna fucking do this and hopefully I don't wake up and then over and over I just keep waking back up and I keep waking back up you know I do a shit ton of heroin and wake back up every time Mm -hmm. I'd fall out I'd wake up in this this position this you know over and over and I'm like what the fuck, (laughs) you know, like when does it stop? But that's where my, I was almost trained by my trauma to think that was my only way out was suicide. Uh, And I'm grateful that that didn't happen. Right. Right. You know, and that's where I'm like, did did God, you know, spare me or, or save me for some reason. And that's, that's where my, the, the, like when I say it's an absolute miracle that I'm here, the depths of those words, like really resonate with me now and more than ever. And, it's like, what am I doing with this opportunity that I've been blessed with? Am I going to hide in fear and not share this story with others? Because, you know, it may affect one or two people or it may help 100, 200. Like, you know what I mean? I do. But let's go back to like the traumas that have almost trained me or like, even though I say, because I, forever I said I would never kill myself. That's a coward's way out. But then it got to the point where I witnessed it and I thought like my delusional world I lived in, I thought that was the only way out of this. But and for anyone listening, if they feel the same way, like that's not the only way out. It's not fucking true. It's not true. There is a fucking way out. And it's and it's asking for help, you know. But that was, you know, the the childhood train as I was trained as my pride wouldn't allow me to ask for help because that masculine uh, delusion, I guess, is like I have to be this strong person. I can't show emotions. I have to handle my shit. Don't be a bitch. Man up and and deal with it life happens right but that, that and i'm trying to and those are those ideas and beliefs that are so ingrained in us that they that it takes the smashing those ideas and those beliefs and and trying a different way uh and talking about it like exactly what we're doing right now i love a couple of things you said smashing you know trained by our trauma really like that and i and i want to emphasize something jordan said as well this is our first attempt at really being honest about this stuff on the microphone as a whole so I do want to kind of add that veil of protection over our conversation is again, emphasizing Jordan. This was our first, this is our first attempt. So thank you for bringing that up by the way. Trained by our trauma. Absolutely believe that. And then the mask of masculinity, the bullshit that goes into thinking, I can't be emotional. I can't show emotions. You know, I think um, some of the, a lot of the confusion that I had growing up was I'm, I'm half Hispanic. And I grew up in a Hispanic household for the most part. That was the most, my family, I spent most of my time with my Hispanic family. I see my white family on Christmas, you know, but I look complete. I look 150% white as Goomer would say, right? Like, <laughs> and he I, just took yeah, a bathroom no. break. So I was like, you know, opportune moment to tell that joke. I'm pretty I sure I said that. Oh, you did you say it? <laughs> yeah. right. I'm like, right. hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. So, yeah. so wait a minute. Yeah, you're Mexican. Yes, right. What, yeah, you're well, like, you're like, how much? My, my mom's full Mexican. You're 100% Mexican. You're like, oh, your dad 150% white? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, no way he's Mexican. <laughs> Couldn't let take. Let me take credit for that one, huh? <laughs> well, I couldn't because you didn't say it. <laughs> right, all right. It's one of his famous sayings. It's one of his famous lines, man. So <laughs> one of the things, though, was growing up and I was, you know, growing up and Mexican kids, like, fucking hating on me. Like, you know, white boy this, white boy that. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? I'm, I live off fucking bean burritos and Kool-Aid. Like, what are you talking about? I'm in a Hispanic culture. So it caused confusion, right? And now I really can't fucking show emotion either, right? I'm riding up to, I'm skating up to a, ba- a black basketball court, skateboard in my hand, white boy trying to get on the court, right? I can't be fucking showing no sensitive shit, right? Like, I'm thinking I can't show my emotions, right? When I go through my traumas and I see crazy shit, I have to be strong. I have to be tough. I can't break down. I can't allow myself to show those emotions. I can't allow myself to feel those emotions. So now I'm disrespecting my emotions. I'm invalidating my experience and I'm minimizing my trauma. Now I fucking hate myself, right? Mm -hmm. I remember when I was in treatment, one of the, uh, the therapists that we had that ran our group, she played some shit on shamanism. And... The dude said, one of the biggest problems I see with masculinity, and he goes, and, and I'll just speak about in America right now, but it's, I think it's period. He goes, the, one of the biggest problems is that we're so afraid to just be emotional and weep. He goes, what would you think if you saw a man on the street right now just weeping? You guys would think this motherfucker needs to be in a mental institution. Like, why is that wrong, though? To mm-hmm. show that emotion, right? To feel that emotion. So, and. In a little bit of fairness, though, like if I saw a woman just on the side of the street weeping, I would think that she needed to be in a mental institution. Dude, you know what blew my fucking <laughs> just, you know just, just anyone on the side of the street just like full on weeping, I, I would think that there was something wrong. But yes, you no, know, I agree with what you're saying. But see, but that's what I he's agree. talking about is our outlook on that, right? Is wrong. Our yeah. ideas and our beliefs on it. You know what blew my freaking mind what? recently? What blew, blew your fucking blew mind? Blew my freaking mind, dude. Let's hear it. <laughs> I'm on that high school mentor trip, right? Yes, you are. And they're talking about, yeah, this church has a cry room. Everyone just goes in there and they, they just cry. Like, they cry. So then I see a group of the high school kids in a circle, boys, girls. And they're just sitting there forcing themselves to cry. Mm-hmm. They're I don't all, know if I'm ready for that one. They're all, they're <laughs> all crying. And I'm like, what? Well, hold, hold up. Yeah, and I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, there's, you know, so many benefits. Like this church has a cry room where everyone just goes there and they pull up all these traumas and these, these past things and they relive them and they just sit there and cry with each other. And I was just like blown away, dude. I was just like, what the hell? Something similar like that happened in my rehab, man. Like towards the end. Of course it did. Oh, please keep going. (laughs) Let's go. No, it was like a really healthy thing. Like, Mm -hmm. cause like some people had like had left the rehab and then some people were coming in like, so it was like kind of towards the end and like, I had like broken down like multiple times in my sessions and, and it just felt good, man. Getting all that trauma and like, like kind of like finally letting myself or telling myself, finally, like just feeling all that stuff for the first time and like, and, and comfort. And it's like letting it out and like just all the pain and just letting out felt so good. So one day, like they had a session and like they turned off all the lights. It was like one of the night sessions. And it was fucking dark in the room. You could barely see in the in the in the living room when they held the meetings. And then one of the counselor just came up and we're all sitting in a circle. And he's like, "Who wants to fucking start healing today?" Mm. And everybody's like, "I'm like, what?" Everybody, you could see like everybody's walls are still up. And like, who? And he just sat there doing screaming at us. He's like, "Who the fuck wants to heal right now?" And then he randomly calls like one of his uh one of his assigned uh patients, 
And then he, the dude's like, no, 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 I don't want to do this. He's like, you're going to do it. And then he sat him down. And then, like, he just started, like, because he knew a little bit of his insight. And he started, like, pushing in those buttons of trauma and, like, his story and childhood and stuff like that. And then, like, he made him visualize that that was his, a certain someone that he had a huge resentment towards. And that dude, that kid got up and fucking started yelling at that counselor, dude, like, really, like, rip his head off, dude. And, like, was pouring down. He just broke down, dude. Like, I've never seen someone break down. And, like, finally, when he just, like, finally let everything out, he just, like, kind of just dropped to his knees. And the counselor, like, picked him up and just gave him a hug. And, like, he was just, like, gave him words of, like, affirmation or, like, reassurance. And, like, hey, dude, it's okay. You know, like, you're in a safe place. And, and there's nothing wrong for you to feel the way you're feeling. Like, and then, he, and then everybody just started doing it. After that first person, like, who's next? And some other dude's like, yeah, he's like, I, I hate my fucking dad. Or I hate, I hate my my wife. And they all, we all started taking turns. And it was, like, one of the best healing sessions I've ever like witness or anything close to that, that i experienced it. it was it was crazy dude like and he was just like it was it was amazing it was a good feeling because like having so many people break down and no one and let leaving it at that at that meeting and no one's like teasing you or like or minimizing you or like bullying you or like making you feel like a bitch for breaking down or being a guy and crying like it was so like that connection started happening a lot of it and it was it was an amazing amazing moment for me man i was like holy shit like it's okay to cry because i've i'm a fucking huge crier like i fucking oh bro i'm liable to cry at a commercial like i'm emotional as fuck so i feel you dude like i i'm a i'm a huge crier man like i'm i'm big into that dude sometimes i just need a good cry like like last night i was talking i was just like man i think i'm breaking down like i'm just fucking tired and i've just been on the go, go, we go, mentioned go, that go, for go, sure. Go. Like, we need you need sleep. <laughs> hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You're just tired, bro. You need to take a nap. <laughs> I know. He gets me, man. And I just like I just I didn't cry or anything like that, but I just like sat there because they say it gets better, right? This is emotional roller coasters. Like I don't have those mental crazy breakdowns so often. And and that was like one of them last night where I was just like, man, like I just don't feel like at a hundred, man. Like I just I'm so fucking tired. In that treatment <laughs> facility, was that the first time you'd ever experienced what it was like to openly discuss trauma? Yeah. I've suppressed all my trauma, man. Like, all of it, dude. That was the first time I ever talked about, like, being, like, molest- molested and and everything with my parents. Like, 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 I don't know. Like, I think some of the biggest trauma was, like, a lot of the sex stuff and how I, like, and right. I've talked to it. I've talked about it, like, a lot and 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 being bullied and not feeling like enough like my family being the youngest like i always got pushed to the side and and minimized and and i felt like i never i was constantly like chasing this like like validation is that is that a, is that a thing yeah attention like, like no, yeah i think i think he's right Val- seeking yeah. validation I, yeah. I, I, that you were there just yeah. like that you were uh, and i still do that to this day man and i i still don't get it like i never get that and I'm like barely processing that, and it's just like fuck, like, like it's okay, like I don't, I don't need it. So giving myself self worth, like, because I always think I'm, I ain't worth shit. So because of all the trauma that I've been to, like I remember like, when I went over to the whole sex thing, like one of the first experience, like with sex, is like I went over to a neighbor's house and like I finally started writing about it in, in treatment center, and and like that was my first sex experience, man. Like we just started touching each other, and and like. And like I, I still remember like the the towel he put over my face and and like the way it spit 
the way the 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 certain fragrance on the on the towel dude and like till this day like if i smell those smells dude or like the 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 smell of his breath like still hits me sometimes like that shit's it's a weird fucking thing that happens in my head and i didn't i had suppressed it for so many years because i minimized it and i just i told myself it wasn't that bad and everybody's always asked me like well why didn't you tell anybody and at the time like my dad wasn't around like he took he took off like this all this all happened like within the span of like like a year or something like how that. how old were you um so like seven or eight yeah right? seven or eight i was around that age and during that time like my dad took off i remember he left like 200 bucks on the on the kitchen kitchen table and then he left like a 10 pound sack of, of flour and a 10 pound sack of uh of, of beans dude and like he, he would, yeah he's just gone dude and like i had an older sibling and stuff but they had to move to phoenix and i was living in yuma in time and then my sister at the time was like uh living with her boyfriend she was like really distant so it was just literally like me and my mom and that's it i remember like i had to do i had to like go walk into the grocery store like we didn't have a car like i don't even know how she was making ends meet or like i think my dad was like sending her money but like and then during this time my mom was going through a huge deep fucking phase of like menopause that's when i started learning like my mom kept telling me like oh just i'm going through menopause so i would see my mom just depressed as shit every single day dude and now like and like all i ate was like bean burritos that's like all the things that she had time and energy but i was good like i had such comfort i was so close to my mom that i I thought life was great like this is just my life like i don't really need anything i have everything type of thing so then all these things started and during this time like my mom had lost like i think her uh, her her visa so she was uh in the process of like trying to like renew her visa and like legalize her her or what's it called permission or green card or whatever so when all these things started happening to me i started getting raised by like fear of like keeping that secret because of losing my mom and fear of abandonment and like my dad wasn't around i knew my mom was in a pretty fucked up situation a tough situation so i couldn't reach out for help you know like growing up with that like i, I was so feared of of getting in trouble like i knew i couldn't get in trouble by the law or anything because like i was underage and my mom had an answer for me and knowing her immigration status like i, I just i couldn't put my mom in that situation and, and my family we grew up like you know kind of protecting that little secret while she was trying to figure everything out so that suppressed a lot of things like even being bullied all the sex stuff sexual abuse that, that happened to me like i never like talked about it or like told anybody about it like i just suppressed it and like threw it away but like after you said like once she started digging it into it like in treatment i started realizing like that i i struggled with not feeling enough because i remember leaving that guy's house and like that was my first sexual experience and it was with another dude and i was just like holy shit like what the fuck happened like i was confused right. as fuck what, what did it like what did this person like say to you obviously they were like older like what what did they say did you remember um i don't know because we would always hang out you know he's my neighbor and and like we would always hang out and and I, and and he was going through some stuff too like he's going through a separation and stuff like that and like we would always hang out and like we would always just fuck around and we like you we're just he was my neighbor we always play toys fucking basketball or whatever we were fucking into and one day we just he just took me to the room man and like we were always playing inside and like it was like this back room that he had and i don't know i he, i remember him just telling like oh hey check out what me me and so and so did like we should try it and like one thing led to another dude and it was just like this crazy experience and i remember feeling like really wrong and like and i remember like when he like 
put the towel over my face and like he was like trying to stick his tongue like in my mouth and i was like what the fuck i was like this feels wrong like i like you said like i think i was programmed for to like women like i've always been i think naturally attracted to women but right. at that at the time i wasn't really like i was still like playing with toys and shit so i right. wasn't like my hormones and shit weren't kicking in yet right so like being that another dude like and i was like oh shit i guess like i just I was raised to trust people, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I was really green to the world because my mom protected me and like was really like, kept me really close to her. So when I got exposed to things like that, like I was just like, all right, like they have the best interests in me like anybody else would because I'm the youngest and like I always got looked after and looked over. So I just started trusting people. And like, I remember walking away after that experience and feeling like I'm not enough. And that's what I discovered. Like it, it like buried, I buried some shit in my mom's situation and couldn't re reach out for help and, and stuff like that and and things like that happened like some dude from down the street happened and then like one time i was in nebraska and like my mom was like situation same thing we all got separated uh my sister ended up ended up back in phoenix with some brothers and i ended up like going bouncing from house to house like from colorado from nebraska colorado all the way down and like throughout the places that my dad would leave me because my dad would like at the time he was there like he would leave me with some places because i wasn't aware of what the fuck was happening but like a lot of sex stuff ha started like getting introduced to to my life man and like i remember like some dude was like masturbating at one house like in front of me constantly while we're like had us like play with bubbles and shit like that and like i just thought so much shit happened like and i was just like whatever about it i was used to this at this point it was like whatever so i never really opened up or talked about it but I don't know. I just went on like some fucking round. Well, I, I was fucking trying. No, dude. I appreciate you sharing <laughs> yeah, all that, dude. For sure, bro. Like, I can't even like the strength that it takes to fucking say that is I, I, I admire so much, man. I genuinely fucking do. And it, to me, what it sounds like, bro, is it, it kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like we crave to feel safe when you're talking about my dad's not here. My dad's on the road. It's me and my mom. Now I can't even get in trouble because my mom's immigration status um, I, I risk losing my mom. So now I just have to take all this bullshit. Right. Yeah. And then you get introduced to sex in such a fucked up way. You know, I think you just crave to feel safe, right? Mm. You want, you want to feel safe. And I think that's so many of us, we just want to feel safe. You know, when you went and did that stuff and you brought this up in your treatment facility, cause this is the one thing that I want to fucking drive home is that that shit was not your fucking fault. Mm. Right. Like in anybody out there, who has experienced that like that is not your fucking fault hmm. was that some stuff that you opened up about in treatment and like got into it like and started maybe forgiving yourself for some of this stuff i that you're holding on to like i said in that uh, episode like our episode goomer goes to rehab part two like like i just started the assignment one of my first assignments was, like writing my autobiography and i'll yeah. start from the age of five and i did because at that point dude like 20 years old fucking first sip of beer at eight years old started drinking at 13 and and then end up on fucking fentanyl trying to sell myself on the fucking street like that's a pretty gnarly fucking career dude Crazy, <laughs> like, I, i've been through some shit dude. Like, we see yeah. some shit <laughs> 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 been through some shit man <laughs> so once i started discovering shit because at that point dude like one of my part of my stories like i like to share at this point because it's an inside joke it's like dude at that point i didn't even know who i was like i didn't even know yeah. if i like guys or girls i don't give a shit who you say having a trauma like that and then you fucking pop a shit of ecstasy and molly and drinking some other drugs 
guy or girl, yo, chair, yo, dog, anything, bro. Dog, <laughs> that shit's gonna feel good, bro. Like I don't give a shit who you are or how masculine or whatever that word is. Like, you probably a shitload of drugs. I'm just saying to... your pillow can get it. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude. <laughs> so I just started discovering all this stuff about me, man. And I finally like I took it down. Like like I shared that day, dude. Like I started realizing. I was just into girls because I really had to dig deep and I had lost myself that much that, you know, that's one thing that I didn't even like want to bring up because like the whole like thing like, oh, it's like if you're born like that, is it nature or nurtured? Mm -hmm. And for my story, and I don't want to offend anybody or anything like that. I'm just saying it could have the things that happened to me, the choices I made in my life and then being in addiction so deeply, it could have easily been confused and rewired to be in a choice for me mm -hmm. like because craving so much attention yeah and, and wanting to be loved and and like almost there's a more of a comfort level to do it with like with a dude if that makes sense like a bondship or a friendship to get yeah. to know each other a little bit easier well i think than a lot having of that the fear of like the opposite sex if they're gonna like me and not like me like you know what i mean well it sounds like you had that though with your mom and maybe you craved that because your dad wasn't around maybe you know I, and again, I'm no fucking trauma therapist or expert yeah, yeah. like that, that. I just, that's something that makes sense to me, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of that breeds the way we behave, right? Like you craved attention or not, not necessarily attention, but validation and like family. It sounds like, right? So much to right? this day, to this yeah. day right? Yeah. So like when you and I kind of had our little beef for a minute, you were like, bro, like you fucking hurt me, man. Like I'd let you in and now it's going to be really hard to let you in again, right? Because I think so much stuff and i'm the same way right like i was telling donnie last night like my fucking squad is set i'm good like i do not care to add on right like mm -hmm. i'm good because i don't trust people naturally my trauma has led me to not fucking trust you that's why if you were selling a book i thought you were trying to sell me some bullshit didn't believe it right any fucking webinar, I'm like, well, that's a fucking scam. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, yeah. doesn't matter what it is. Like, you come up and tell me you fucking got the secret to success. I'm like, you're a fucking liar. People in the rooms even at first, bro. Like, bro, get the fuck out of my face. I don't trust you. Yeah. You know, like, that's my natural instinct is to not fucking trust people. And I think a lot of that, again, just comes from a lot. Just our traumas are trained by our traumas. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't like seeing people that i admire or look up to hurt hurt and i and I, I discovered that when my oldest brother was going through his divorce mm. like he was the male role model that i seeked in my life for so long because mm -hmm. my dad worked provided right in and out wasn't didn't really have like you know a bond or or, or advice or anything like that I never went to him right and but my brother is like earned I guess you could say, or glorified, or a certain respect of being the oldest and and handling shit the way he's handled, um, in his life, and has like this good reputation of being a father, a dad, and 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 obviously like a badass in his teen years. Like he was just a natural like born leader. He has that people. He just draws people to him. Right. He's just he's a genuine dude. Genuine. He's just a badass all around, bro. So when he was going through his divorce, man, I was about like. 16 17 years old and like he stayed with uh we we're sharing a room for the first time so i experienced a, a brother an older brother for the first time and it was amazing dude um but seeing him defeated it's like 
when you read the comic books and fucking Superman gets his ass whooped for the first time, you're, like, you're a little kid. You're just like, nah, fuck. How does that happen? You know, seeing someone like so strong, so unpenetrable. Uh, what's that word? Un like like unpenetrable. Yeah, like by anything, any life situation, they, they can't be stopped. Like they're yeah unstoppable and in like, your eyes. And and seeing him let that seeing him like let me in like that and only showing that regardless if he was hurting or going through what he was going through like we were sitting in the garage just watch youtube fights like for hours bro and drinking and chilling by ourselves and and like i didn't like seeing him like that so like going mm -hmm. back to like early recovery like you guys like i just love i don't want to see you guys hurt because i like i still probably have like the little brother syndrome that i bring you know it's like i look up to you guys like i'm not worthy enough or i'm not at the level or smart or as fast or as strong as you guys like that's how i just view myself and see myself in this group like i look up to you guys and i'm following you like a little brother so when i see an older brother or brother go through some pain or struggling i'm like it comes out that way it's like dude you're not supposed to struggle like right. if you're struggling like what's what gonna happen to me, me mm -hmm. type wow. of thing that's, that's how thing. i that's how i take wow. shit dude, for, like you just brought up a, a an extremely I don't know, emotional or, or a pivotal moment in my life, dude. That Same here. I, that still that I still remember to this day. It was like that, you know, that person in your life that is extremely like superhero like in your eyes, and and you see them handle shit, that, and it doesn't phase them, right? But we're like younger, you know. It's like that leader, and in the first time, so I could, you know, I'm gonna talk about my dad, right? And and what I can remember this this time, and you know, he he, you know, drank alcoholic whatever you know not to put right. his shit out there but yeah you know and, and the fact that a lot of his childhood trauma affected him and, and he never opened up and shared about this stuff right. you know like like we've talked about this before is is our parents trauma led into their character defects in their life and then it also ended up affecting us and that's like where we're trying to break the cycle in the circle right, right? and so this one time right uh, you know, chaos, chaotic relationship and with, you know, with my parents and, and he's, you know, my dad's drinking in, in my garage. Like, you know, that's just what, what we did in Ohio, right. <laughs> drinking the garage. And so I'm, I'm my garage I, is legendary. Yeah, it is, dude. So I'm standing, so I'm standing <laughs> there and I'll never forget this moment because I was like, what he was, he's standing like at this toolbox, you know, drink, obviously he was drinking and, and he's like, I just can't fucking deal with it anymore. You know? And he's like, almost breaking down and i'm like what like what the fuck's going on and i'm i'm like getting high at this point in time yeah. i'm probably like 15 and uh, i'm like what's like what's up dude and he's like i just can't stop thinking about it you know and, and i'm like what and i'm asking questions because he's like starting to cry and i've never seen my dad ever cry before yeah. or even get emotional right and he starts opening up about you know when he was a kid right he had they had this tree house and his two best friends the the tree house caught on fire and his two best friends were in the treehouse, right? And the neighbor was there and, and they and they couldn't get in. There was only one way in, one way out. And he was beating and scratching, like beating on the door so hard, trying to get it open. And the neighbor, this older guy, is just standing there because he is just doesn't know what the fuck to do. And my dad's nine years old, right? And he's trying to just beat open this door to get in. And he's sharing this stuff with me. And I feel like this was like the first time that he ever, he's like, I've never talked about this before of how much it impacted him. And the fire was so hot that it was burning his skin while he was trying to open it up because he heard these screams from his two best friends burning alive, you know, in this tree house. 
and he's and he's like reliving this, talking to me about this, and I'm like, holy shit! Fuck. How old were you Damn. at this point? I'm like probably 15 years old, but this was the first time also that I, a vulnerable age. Yeah, extremely vulnerable, and this you know, and to hear him talk about this and break down for the first time, and and uh, and it was like. I was there as him. Like I was almost like, I can like visualize me be like being him at that age where like listening to someone burning alive, your two best friends and you can do nothing about that. Like that right there is up. some trauma that will affect you forever, dude. For sure. And I don't know why that, that meant like, I will never forget that moment because it was like a bond or connection that we grew together through that. And, and our relationship was all, you know, was not it was different after that because of him sharing that with me because like i seen him as a human being that he had feelings and, and like he felt stuff so deeply but you know that whole masking our feelings and emotions and not sharing that like that's i don't i don't know i don't know what i'm trying well, to no, say but I, I just in that experience and hearing him share about that was just unfucking real to me and it was a, a pivotal moment in my life that I'll, like it was one of them vivid memories that i can just replay like it was like it happened right now well i just want to i just want to go into a little bit about what you said too because it was something i was going to ask and i think you kind of answered the question before I, I got a chance to ask you but it sounds like that strengthened your bond mm -hmm. when you seen him open up and deal with it I, I don't know, maybe in the healthiest way he could at the time mm -hmm. by at least talking about it is that accurate I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think so. But I, I just, I guess the power of how like, that trauma, like how it affects us and, and how the, the, how bad it is for us as humans to bury any type of trauma down totally. because it, it, you know, I don't, there's so many studies that say like it always, it always leads, leads to some sort of addiction because we're trying to block out that right. shit and bury it so deep. Well, so I agree with that. I agree with that. And it, it, like even from the little brother syndrome to the dad thing. So I'm an oldest brother, right? My natural instinct my entire life was to lead and protect, right? To lead and protect. When I was about two years old, my dad lost his little brother in a car accident. I believe that this event shaped my life to this very fucking day. My little his he was 15 years old at the time. My dad's little brother. My dad was 19, 20 years old. So I was like maybe you know around one or two years old, and that fucked him up. Rightfully so, right? Like that's that's tough, man, to lose your little fucking brother. Rightfully so. That spun him on a a a, a bad path. Um, my grandmother never recovered. My dad that like kicked off. My dad already had a fucked up unstable childhood or unstable childhood that really fucked him up you know and he ended up losing both parents at young ages to alcohol and drugs so now he doesn't have anyone to fucking turn to right like he's experiencing his trauma lost his little brother to some fucked up shit and now he needs to learn how to be a dad after a fucked up childhood now my parents are dead lost my little brother now I'm supposed to turn around and be this fucking great dad, right? And that's why I say, like, I struggle with this because I don't want to bash him because I think he did a really good job considering the hand that he was dealt. But I didn't see him seek the necessary help, right? I seen what it looked like to numb very early on, what mm -hmm. it looked like to numb feelings rather than feel them 
and deal with them in a healthy way. I learned how to do, I mimicked that behavior, right? And, and I remember him even, it's, he seemingly fell into even a, just a really bad depression when I was a teenager, like, and then late teenager up to my early 20s. And I remember the strain that that put on my my siblings relationship and I, because now I felt like I really had to step in and like provide that guidance to my little brother. So now I'm not getting to be a brother. I have to, I, I, I'm taking it upon myself to play like the dad role. Right now that's not fair to him because now he doesn't have a brother. Right. So it's just this ripple effect of fucking trauma when not dealt with properly. I don't <sighs> Fuck. That, I had, that makes a lot of sense, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I said everything, every ounce of me said that I would not do the things that I witnessed. And right? trained by trauma. But I was trained by what I seen. I would say something, but I was I was already trained by what I was seeing. And, and that was numbing out that shit. Whatever that trauma was, it, everyone's is different. Everyone's experience is different. You know, you know, in, in certain events, like we, we've talked about this before, it's and that numbing of any type of emotion or feeling like that was my escape. That's what I went for. Absolutely. Even though I said everything in me said that I wasn't going to do it. And that's the insanity of it too, right? Like, well to the, I maybe to the outside world. So you witness your best friend in a casket or Mm -hmm. a good friend of yours in a casket. Two of them. Yeah. I remember what it was like to this very day. I had not even, I had done opiates before, but I was not like, I was not an, an opiate addict at this point. When my best friend overdosed and died from an heroin overdose in my bathroom. I'll never forget the fucking phone call, man. I was at work and my sister calls me and she's just freaking out, screaming as loud as she can. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Traumatic experience for her, right? Traumatic experience for my mom. They found him. I rush home and I remember to this day just holding his arm. They didn't let me see him because obviously he was already passed and all that, but they let me hold his arm. And I held his arm as they wheeled him out. And I remember thinking, this is so fucked up, man. And then I watched his mom fucking just weep, saying, Mm -hmm. this is not fucking real right now. This better be a fucking joke right now. I seen so much fucking pain and trauma in that instance. And the fucking cop looks at me and says, do you use? I said, no, I don't use. Good, because this is what fucking happens. That's what he tells me. If you would have told me right then and there, Give it a few years. You'll be hooked on fentanyl. I'd have said, you're fucking insane. I just Mm -hmm. seen what happened. No fucking shot, dude. Trained by fucking trauma. Because then what happens? I have family members go down the opiate route. I'm soon to follow. The same shit now I said I'll never fucking do. I'm doing. How the fuck did that happen? Mm -hmm. Right? That's how the fuck did that happen moment. Trained by trauma. I love the way you said that. Trained by trauma. That makes so much fucking sense in my head. Yeah, I did that. I did that like same that kind of that same feeling like like with with my sister and kind of what she did like with our family. And like I just I I didn't realize it at the time, but I like I saw everything she did to our family and how it destroyed them and tore my family apart. And I said and like I not only did I say I would never do that, I just blamed her. Right. I was like, how could she? How could she do that? Blah, 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 blah. And I said all those things. 
And then I went and did the same exact thing under a different drug. Right. And I thought because I wasn't doing opiates that it's not possible for me to do the things that she did to our family. But it did. And it even brought back like like uh, I, when you were talking about seeing that that person that you look up to. That's so like fortunately for me, like watching my dad break down at what I was doing was the thing that got me. Mm, got me that's a, that's a hard one. got me clean because he was the person i never saw break down and like seeing that it was ha- like he was doing it because of the things that i was doing like it was one of those things that like brought me to get clean but i i went and did the exact same things under a different drug to my family that my sister did while still yelling how could she do this how could she have done this and still trying to put all the blame on her when I'm pushing them all away doing the same thing. And like, I even had thought like I, it never got me to that point, but I'd have thoughts where I had no money and I needed to get drunk and I, I couldn't get drunk. And I had thoughts going, well, people with no money can get heroin. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should try going that route. <laughs> you know, like I never did, but I had thoughts. Like I'm like I don't, I don't know. They but, seem to be able to get heroin when they had no money. <laughs> even then, so, I, I'm sorry, dude, but I'm like literally wit- like hearing you talk about living out what I was trained to do. Like you said, I seen my sister do this. Yeah, I was agreeing with you. No, I know, yeah. I know. I'm yeah. I'm not saying you weren't. It's just that is the perfect example of I've seen exactly what happens. And now I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then, and that's what I think is so scary about alcohol too, is that justification, that social acceptability mm-hmm. of justification. It's not heroin. It's, so my yeah. sister's way more fucked up than me. All right. Cause yeah. it's not heroin. Alcohol is a horrible fucking illness. Yeah. It is a horrible, it is, it is a drug just like heroin. Mm. Worse. And <laughs> Worse. it's fucking, that's what it looks like. The insanity of it. Right. But I don't know, man. That trauma, right? Maybe trained by trauma. Trained by trauma. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't. Back. I'm sorry. Go for it. No, I'm just saying. I'm sure it wasn't easy for you to see your big sister, who I'm sure at one point or another you looked up to. Yeah. Go down that road. Yeah. No, it, it definitely wasn't. And and you know, for me, like I've just been kind of sitting back, listening, and you know, letting you, letting you guys do your thing. For me, like, like all my trauma and everything, like it started late. Like I get. I guess you could say. My childhood trauma was being that that sheltered, protected, like like Goomer, you said it perfect. I grew up trusting everybody and everything because I never really saw any wrong in the world when I was a child, Mm -hmm. you know, because uh, I never, you know, I I never had any problems. And then everything started coming later in life, like the like the trauma that my relationship caused me you know the one that i was in for 10 years that i didn't even know until i was looking back on it you know i um not to get off topic but i was just working um finishing up my steps with my sponsor yesterday and and uh and and i we were reading the 12th step and it was just i've known this to be like a little bit of how i am now and 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 it's caused from my relationship but we're reading the 12th step about like the wife and the husband and like how, you know, the you know wife or husband has gone through like so much pain with the alcoholic, you know, that now, you know, they're rekindling and doing all that. And like, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my sponsor and I'm like, see that it doesn't comprehend to me because I can't understand why anyone would love me that much. 
self worth. They they would have they would have left my ass. Like how are how are wives staying with their husbands when they're acting like the alcoholic? Like I can't imagine anyone ever possibly loving me that much. So if you were like the other person, say you were the girl, you're like, look at yourself. You're like, I can, I would never love myself if I was doing this, I, yeah. this shit to myself, basically. Yeah. Just in general, like I, I honestly can't picture anyone liking me even now. So, but that stems back from like just some things that I went through in like my past relationship. But like, anyway, I kind of got off on that. I didn't mean to go down that, but I don't but think- like everything started happening to me, you know, kind of late and, you know, like being overly trusting of, of people. And, and, you know, so the, the thing that happened with my sister, you know, I was 22, 23 when that first started and I was 29 when I went into rehab. So, um, you know, so there was that whole thing that went on with my sister and everything. And, and, you know, it's just, and then my the my breakup of a 10 year relationship, my first ever breakup. Um your, from first, seven, your first love. My first love from 17 to 27. Like that ended and that caused a major um, you know, just I'm still dealing with that shit, obviously, right. like from from what I'm talking to with you guys today. And like, you know, I had some other stuff, you know, also that like that. I thought was so fucking wrong with me and I hated myself for it until I heard everyone talking about it. Not, not about my stuff, but everyone talking about their own things and, and realizing that I'm not like, we all go through these things. Like I, like I hated myself and I numb myself with alcohol for like different things because I thought, you know, it's kind of like that, that thing when we, when you go into rehab, you know, I'm so unique and blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, woe is me. And, and then you realize like when people open up and they talk about these things that, that, you know, you're not alone, you know? I and, and I think that's what's so powerful, you know, about all of that. You yeah. brought up a couple of things that I absolutely love. One is a lot of my trauma happened later in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so often, and I like that you brought that up too, because I feel I don't so many, t- I, I too believe that some of the most significant trauma that I went through was actually in my adulthood. Mm-hmm. Watching people that I love go through addiction was as traumatic, if not more traumatic than my own addiction itself. It's like yeah. small traumas. Dude. It's fucking hard. And it is just a constant fucking beatdown of exhaustion. So I love that you brought that up because anybody out there listening, thinking, well, my childhood is great. My childhood is great. Um, I had a rough adulthood, whatever. So I really have nothing to complain about. My childhood was great. Fuck that, dude. Trauma is trauma. And it doesn't matter what fucking age it takes place. Mm -hmm. Right. So I love that you brought that up. And then two, I think this goes right back to almost the theme of the day trained by trauma is you went through that breakup. What is wrong with me? How could no one would ever love me that much? And it's possibly because that breakup occurred in your alcoholism, right? Mm -hmm. Makes fucking sense to me. Yeah. Trained by fucking trauma. You read that. You're like, that's bullshit because that's not what happened. (laughs) Yeah. Girlfriend love my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, me too, bro. Times get tough. They're out. (laughs) 
Break, breakup was a huge trauma for me, man. Yeah. The first one at 17, dude, seeing all my older siblings marrying and having a happy, you know, life with uh, their high school sweethearts. So I try to like do the same thing. And then I moved to Phoenix and like had a long distance relationship. Like that breakup was shit too, man. That, that fucking destroyed me. I couldn't handle or, or knew, knew how to deal with all those emotions, man. Like that's first girl. Like I did everything like kiss. First titty I squeezed. Nice. <laughs> First, lost my virginity, dude. Like, fucking, hi, yeah, brother. Nice. Uh, yeah. says everything's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> fucking nice, bro. Butter knives and titties. <laughs> by, by the name of our book. <laughs> cute, Butter cute. knives and titties. <laughs> cute button nipples, bro. Double D. <laughs> oh, anyway. oh. Well, that was vulgar. But, like, she played guitar, right? Like, nice. <laughs> anyways. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> anyway so like i ended up getting her pregnant dude and uh she went to mexico got an abortion a month later married a marine got pregnant from that like so that breakup wow. and like i understand like not feeling worthy or not being loved especially like my childhood trauma all the experience not feeling worthy or not enough so like and someone at a meeting told me is like when you go through like sexual trauma or, or all that stuff abuse like you your sex Thing, like either like goes up or down like what, what's what's the what's the word sex drive I, no sex hyper you're hyperactive or you shut down from like all sex though and i think like that's a big like i'm trained by that like i still think like even if i find a new relationship and they're like i love you dude uh, i'm about you like you know like all this stuff any little fucking feeling of emotion of like feeling vulnerable or like being open or little any little unrealistic break of trust i'm out and i and i and i bounce or, or i started like self-sabotaging and telling myself well i'm not worthy i'm not enough no one loves me and I'll, I'll throw a relationship away or i don't let you in when they're like constantly like trying to be in and then i'll just like keep one last wall up you know i have to feed you and give you what you want but and it's also it's, it's a fucked up situation like it's like like and at that point it's like i i have you like i become like their drug or their drink it's a really like fucked up situation that I that I'm constantly like I'm trying to work on it like a lot be more because it's like I don't know man like I <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that but oh yeah train with trauma dude like all that shit like really really like really trained me from like an early age and then like that's when you say like the defects get birth like when Dylan talks about like being at the concert at an early age that's a traumatic experience there's got to be a lot of fear a lot of wonder a lot of w lost feelings so your ego like you said had to teach you or tell you that you're badass enough to feel safe and protected and it so, led so to it, an amazing it, time i actually really enjoyed <laughs> my time at that concert it so was great we started i at least for me i started nurturing all this stuff not feeling good enough right. uh uh the whole situation with my mom like i had to become really good of getting away with shit because her life's at risk so like getting bullied and beat up a lot didn't speak out about it so that's how I like express my anger. Like when I'm fucking raging out or pissed off, I break down crying. Cause to this day, like I knew I couldn't swing back or hit someone and get in trouble at school because right. of my mom's situation. So like all that shit carried on. And then growing up in a family where we pride ourselves on like having good fighters and me not having any war stories when I'm around the ice chest made me feel like a fucking bitch. We're not worthy and not enough to be in involved or like still seeking that valid baby. You're the baby. Yeah, dude. Like, I got fucked from the beginning, dude. Like, it's just well, that was see, see, seeing, like, 
Life fucked you in it, early. I just got it. <laughs> oh, dude. No. Damn. That was dark, bro. I, I'm <laughs> uh, uh, keep going. Oh, my say, God. You know, how you getting out of this one? Go on. Yeah, I want to hear you, too. Everyone stop. Go ahead, Donnie. Uh, I love you, bro. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> How do you <laughs> back to surrender? It was an inside joke from uh, we can from, laugh oh, about it now. from a previous from a previous episode, but I appreciate you. <laughs> we know. Don't, don't. we don't. were there. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I forgot my train of thought. <laughs> my bad, bro. I oh, uh, fuck it. Alright. <laughs> Are you going? I can't yeah, like, yeah, I'm, no, gonna, no, I'm I, about to end this episode. Yeah. So I can't tell if you it's just uh, like how all that that trauma like are my relationships today uh, if i'm if i don't keep a you know an awareness about them that training will affect how my relationship with myself myself all that trauma it affects us mentally emotionally our self-worth dude over and over and over and it affects our relationships you know it has affected our you know our, in the whole podcast our relationship as friends too just the recently because you know, that, that, uh, you know, first love, right. That I had. And then my addiction drives people away from me, you know? And so I just keep going down and down. And then all of a sudden you know, that girlfriend that I opened up to and, and I was vulnerable with, she left because times got tough and she didn't know how to handle me as an addict. Right. And that's that emotional pain from a relationship. And, and how do I, how do I deal with that? I drink. mask it. I fucking drink. I go deeper and I deeper. And I said, that's the best thing that that girl could have ever did for herself and for me was to leave because that drove me deeper into my addiction because, dude, I drank and used over that right there, oh, that dude. trauma fucking harder and harder. And I replayed that day of, you know, and again, that's that abandonment or, or that leaving because I can picture and imagine that vivid moment right now mm -hmm. of me her too. walking out the door. Right. Like. And leaving, and I'm just like, fuck, which has happened. <laughs> but it was all her fault, you know? Still wasn't my fault. Yeah. I didn't take responsibility for any of that, you know, my my actions. And But back to, like, the early childhood trauma is, that I like that I want to touch on is a lot of it, dude, we had no control over, you know? Like, I had we had no control over most of that, dude. It was just we were exposed to it. and But now it's once we become aware of it and and – we have to take responsibility for how we deal with it now, I guess. Yeah, that's our part now. And not and our part now is like not continuing to play the victim and and over and over is reliving it and saying, like, oh, this is why I am the way I am. Well, yeah, okay, that is. But now now we've become aware of it. And now yeah. I can work through it and talk to someone. And uh, I just I, I just think I, I want to stress to the people that are listening to this because you don't have to hide that shit or 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 mask it or cover it up and it's okay to share that stuff and find someone like to open up about it, man. Cause it's not healthy, right. whether it's extreme trauma, sexual, mental, emotional, whatever it is, or it's just minor trauma. Like it doesn't matter. It, it will slowly affect you over time. You know, most people don't right. expose their traumas for up to 10 to 11 years or something until it actually comes to the surface where it is affected their life in, in other ways right and you most times it, it ends up in addiction some yeah. sort of addiction i think you said it before like you don't um like play down people's experiences like you know you don't tell them like oh stop being a bitch mm -hmm. because like me working through the stuff writing it down like having like all these things that happened to me like and like really diving down with someone else in the program like a meeting after a meeting i was sitting like at the bench 
after the meeting and I was talking to someone and I shared this experience and we really related it so much. And it wasn't the same experience, but it was the same emotions and feelings and how he felt and what how he how he works and how he hides it and all that stuff. So it was like really cool to experience that. And then another experience that I had was like someone reached out to me and they were like just destroyed by the, like or puzzled by like some dude like you know like grabbing their ass like unexpectedly but you know like yeah the experience that they had wasn't i guess i wouldn't i don't want to even say like it wasn't as bad as mine or other people's or some people's but what she felt and what she went through and what she experienced that was the same feelings and emotions that i went through and like it was just it's just crazy like because for the minute for a while, I was just like, well, it wasn't that bad. Like, I would minimize, like, people have it worse. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like, the leaving the littlest trauma can fuck some people up, man. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounded like that person along with yourself maybe began feeling more like an object than a person. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and I, and I do, I do, I would like to second what you were looking to stress too is like, we do have the ability to work through them in a healthy way now, right? Like, now, like you said, eh. you had your chances. <laughs> you had your chances to drink, right? Oh, like yeah. you fucked up, right? You're in it now. Yeah, too. We have the ability to work a program. We have the ability to we know healthy outlets now, right? Like we do have the choice today. We're no longer in active addiction. No longer have to wake up and chug a bottle of fucking vodka, right? Like we have the fucking choice today. So I I, I do think that was a good one to bring up. You know, again, not to minimize trauma, but we do have a choice on how we deal with it today. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I think this was great, man. I think, uh, like you said, first crack at really trying to open up about some trauma shit um, for a lot of us. Goomer, you've probably done the best at that so far. Yeah. But I, I, I appreciate everyone no, no. getting as vulnerable as possible. For and- sure. It's it's for still, sure. you know, it's still hard, but it's this is the first first take at it, you know, and so much there, man. There is. There you know. is. For sure. No, part, dude. Part two. Yeah. yeah. Followed by Goomer Goes Rehab Part Three. <laughs> Before we started recording, you know, that story that Donnie was telling us about that fucking. <laughs> Which one? The story you're telling us about, um, you're like 13 or something. I don't know. Never mind. Never mind. All right, we'll, we'll figure it I out. But... Save it for the part two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Donnie, for real, man, thank you for opening up. Jordan, thank you for opening up. Goomer, thank you for opening up. Dylan, thank you, thank you for opening up, bro. Appreciate for sure, you. dude. This was an awesome conversation. Genuinely enjoyed it. Ah, uh, fuck, Jordan. I don't know where my watch is, so can you remind me what motherfucking time it is? God damn it. It's the Daily Donnie time. Got him. Got him. <laughs> your trauma is not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Boom! With the <sighs> fucking appropriately timed Daily Donnie's. Good job, dude. All right. Donnie, Jordan, Goomer. Thank you for keeping me clean today. Everyone out there, thank you so much for being a part of my recovery. Um, Please like the show, share it with somebody, comment, reach out to us, message us, give us a phone call. All the information is there on the Instagram. So we thank you so much for listening to another episode of Not So Anonymous. Damn.